fakes the handoff. He drives the lane. He takes it to the house. Bouncing off defenders. He just laid it in. He just put it up and in. 56 seconds to play. Oh, by the way. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Game 7 is over. It's an instant classic. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A three for the game. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. You've got to pinch me. The doctor is now in. Thunderous Thursday, literally. Thunderous Thursday. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank with you. See, you love it when it's 103 degrees, but then you get rain. I like the rain, <laughs> except for it's just weird out here because I'm leaving my place today to come to the show, and it's pouring. I mean, it's like it looks like a river coming down the road, and then you hit a couple blocks down the road, and all of a sudden the sun's shining, and there's no rain or nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just sunshine. And let's don't forget the roads now. You know, coming here on the freeway, and it's you, get, you see these puddles on there, and it's like a lot of people don't know how to drive when it rains, and yeah. It's, I never understood living on the West Coast majority of my life that we get rain in the summertime. Usually it hasn't happened, whether it's here or California. But when I moved to the Midwest, that was a reoccurring thing. And I remember for the first couple of years, I would say, you know, when I was like coaching, you know, softball and baseball, that uh, what, what, what is this? Rain in the summertime. This makes no sense. Another rain delay or, you know, game's going to get postponed, you know, uh, thunderstorm warning in the middle of july and august and these guys look at me like i had three heads they go well that's the way it is around here well, yeah and it took it, me forever to get used to it and now i'm getting used to it again here on the west coast which is very rare well and, and the strange thing too is see now i came from the exact opposite end of it right i'm born in the midwest i'm born in the chicagoland area so you when like i these first days then well no when i first came out here and I hear that there's a quarter, of an inch of, a quarter of an inch of rain and there's flash floods all over. I'm like, it's a quarter of an inch. That, that's just a little dusting. That ain't nothing. How can people... What do you mean somebody drowned in the Charleston overpass or something? I mean, which was a tragedy, but there was all those problems back then because they didn't have the drainage systems and that. And I'm freaking out going, how can this be happening? You know, and hey, the farmers need three or four inches of rain. And out here, it's like less than a half an inch is is causing flash floods and people's cars being taken down the roads and and then all these gullies and everything. So so it was definitely a different scenario there. But, uh, yeah, I guess it's all from where you grew up and what your sure. perspective is in that. But, but, yeah, I mean, in the summer, I always thought it's like yeah, – the, the difference is, too, in Illinois, Wisconsin, those places, when it's about to rain, you can feel it in the air, you can smell it in the air, you know it's coming. Out here, every time it feels like rain – the majority of the times, it actually doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's fooled me, and I, I don't think the rain has lasted, you know, today as long as it is right in this little sound clip. That I'm oh, it did up by my yeah, place. Yeah, this long? No, no, it, it, it was lasting a while at my place, and it was coming down hard. <laughs> and, and that's just right up on Fort Apache and Sahara. It's just right up the road okay, from here. I, I'm looking over the sky now. You, you can turn down the rain now. You can turn off the rain. Goodbye, Rain. See you later. Oh, see, there it is. That's all you do. 
play requests here. It's going to be raining throughout the different parts. That's the other thing that's weird in this valley, because like I say, the sun's completely shining in one place, and then you hear there's flash floods and others in that. It's uh, you know, it's like there, there's pockets of rain, right? And a lot of those cool, little quick flash lightning storms that, like you do say, they do go across in just a couple minutes. I remember being at uh, Santa Anita one time for a race, and uh, waiting for the seventh race, I think it was, and I got this horse, and all of a sudden this downpour just as they come out of the gate oh. and i mean it's like the, the race is scratch com- the, 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 the race is completely and then as soon as the race is over the rain stopped too I mean, it was like it came just for it was like a charlie brown episode or right. something where it rained just on that one race it came down hard and then it was over and done with and, and your horse wasn't a mudder uh i don't I, I was think- his mother a mudder yeah I, I i don't think i don't believe i cashed in on that one but uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the seventh race. Who who remembers that <laughs> exact race? You remember the, if you're gonna remember that, you gotta remember the horse. Well, I I just remember literally standing out there, and all of a sudden these clouds yeah. came in, and and everybody that went seems up weird to the for Santa end, too. Uh, Everything went into the up doors, and the wind was blowing so hard that there was a chair that actually went over the rail and onto the track, but it was after the horses had passed. <laughs> I mean, it was just a total downpour, and then it was over. It was like the most exciting two minutes in rain. Kind of like your ticket, too. It was over. Yeah, I, I believe it was. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember that part because I'd, I'd, I'd seen a lot of quick quick downpours like that, but never to that intensity and that literally just hitting as the starting gate went off. What's the under over how many EAS tests we're going to get during the show today? Uh, seven. Seven? I'm taking under. Maybe I was going to lay, lay it at two and a half, maybe three and a half. Well, there, yeah. there's been over four that came over just in the last hour, and yeah. we're on for two. Yeah. So, <laughs> gosh, great. <laughs> All right. Hey, don't, so if you get interrupted today and you're listening, listening right now live locally, you go to the podcast. We clean that stuff up so you won't hear any of the EAS tests. There you go. That's if Numchuck cleans it up, which he usually does. He attempts. He tries hard. There it is. He efforts it. Are, are you wearing the RVD? Shirt today, the RVD whole damn show T-shirt. There it is. I don't think he gave that to you. So it's probably another one of those little rip-off ones that he bought for ten bucks somewhere or five bucks somewhere. Shaking his head, no. Yeah, no. I don't know this guy. You know, it's difficult to do a radio show with three people and have Harpo Marks be one of them. It doesn't really <laughs> go across the same. <laughs> have you ever heard him talk? You know, you, you you understand why we don't let him talk. Well, I've heard Numchuck talk, yeah. That's I've never said Harpo Marx talk. <laughs> Same difference. <laughs> All right, today on the show, B.J. Armstrong is going to join us. B.J. wanted to join yesterday. I was punishing him yesterday because remember what he said when he was on on Tuesday? Game seven. Game seven. B.J., no game seven. So you're punished. So we'll have you on today to not preview game seven. And talk about the parade. Because I tried to tell him the Bucks were going to win this thing, and he thought the Phoenix Suns were going to win, and he there was, was going to be a game seven. He was on the fence a little bit in that one. Well, he, he you heard him say it, though. There was yeah. going to be a game seven. He did seven. say a game seven, but then he also said, why Milwaukee would win at home? And then, I mean, it was, it was a little bit more BJ the politician the last time on a little bit. So. Or was it more BJ the flying fish? Because you're right, he was flopping all over the place. Yeah. 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 Better than BJ the bear. That was like a trucker show or yeah, something, wasn't yeah. it? BJ and the Bear. The yeah. Bear was a monkey, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I never understood about the Bear was a monkey. Why yeah. wasn't it just BJ and the monkey? I don't know. I don't know. Ask Jay Schrader. He calls you the Bear. So I think that was that was a correlation. I think that was a reference. I don't know. Hey, our good friend Jay Schrader, breaking news here. 
I mean, I guess we could talk about it. I, 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 I saw it posted publicly. He got married a few days ago. We weren't invited. I know. I don't think anybody was invited. I mean, I think it was a little, a little quickie or something. So next time we have him on the show, got to ask him, Jay, what's what's the deal here? I don't know. Yeah, where did they no get invited? I don't know. I, I didn't pay that close attention. But I, I, wait, so. wait, it, it, it's good enough for breaking news on the show, but you didn't pay close attention to know where it was or who it is or anything else those, about it. I don't know if those details were disclosed. I really don't. Well, you're the one that saw the story. Where did you see it? Yeah. What did you actually read? Just that he had hitched, or was there any more? It was a Facebook post that said today Jay Schrader got married. It was a Facebook post, and that was it. Yeah, it was just like one of those. You know how you update your, uh, you know, your your status. Your whatever. status. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was one of those things. And you're sure it was you today? It wasn't it like is. a memory from six years ago. Or no, something, no, it was like last weekend, a few days ago. That's what it was. Yeah. Jay Schrader got married. So i got to send him a text, say congratulations. Give us details. You are fake news. Yeah. yeah, we need the deets, yeah. Yeah, we do. I don't know. You call it fake news? I don't know. It caught me by surprise. It did, you know? It caught me by surprise because I know Jay. I mean, great guy. Love the guy. But, you know, he's he, man of the ladies, too. Do you follow you know? him on Twitter or anything? Or is he a Twitter follow? Is, yeah. Because it yeah. seems I mean, like the kind of Facebook friends and, and, and Twitter, that okay. sort of thing, yeah. But it was from but, his account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it was his, or maybe it was the girl's. And then she tagged him, because I got it, so I didn't know who the girl was. Now you're making me go look this up here. I mean, really? What? How am I making you look at it? You bring it up on the show. But you're asking me these news. questions. All you have to do is say, oh, really, congratulations, Jay. But now you're, you're turned into well, no, on-the-spot television I reporter ass- there. When you say that it's breaking news, okay, the news is that, and then what are the following details? All you have is you're just a headline reader. <laughs> it's not a news story. It's just a headline. Wow. Speaking of which, and this thing all coming full circle, what's the first post that I get here? Jay Schrader is at Bears Best Las Vegas. The Bears back. Well, there you go. See, I knew there there was a reason why I was going with it. And what's Bears Best? Is that your spot? No, it's a golf course. Bears Best. See a bunch of guys in this picture. All right. Jay Schrader. There it is. With Jackson Crisp. Any relation to Coco? Could be. I could, really don't know could him. Could be. I'm going back here. To He's see. one of Jay Schrader's friends, not mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Married. Jay Schrader. It's on his, on his post. Okay. There it is. See? So the breaking news is not fake news. There it is. Congratulations, Jay and Gina Schrader. All right. Well, so now it's J and Jay Schrader. It's <laughs> J and G. Gina. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> What school do you go to? I didn't really hear what you said. <laughs> yeah, okay. I just, I just went with the flow. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, on the show, BJ Armstrong. So we'll uh, talk to BJ as we recap uh, the NBA Finals, put a nice little bow on that. We will get to talk with him about Team USA, the Olympic basketball. They will tip it off with their first game on Sunday. And in transit, not just yet, but tomorrow, uh, Giannis... Is, is is going, Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, they'll be making the trip to Japan tomorrow. Couldn't do it today. You know why? Because they had the parade in Milwaukee today. Now, How many people showed up for that? Didn't get all the details. Uh, uh, our, 
our cracked uh, producer here. All right. I'm sure. You know. I, I, I'm just going to quit asking you any more details yeah, yeah, today because yeah. it seems like I'm throwing you under the bus. No, and good. I'm really not, not meaning to do that. I'm not taking it that way. I'm, <laughs> I'm not taking it that way. But uh, again, I know the parade was today. And I was hearing that there was going to be about 200,000 people that were supposed to be there today. Downtown Milwaukee doing all that. I didn't get a chance to see any highlights. And I had ESPN for majority of the morning. I didn't see them go to it. But I know today was a parade day. And kudos for Milwaukee for trying to put this together. I guess and they did do it, I guess. Uh, putting together a parade in less than 48 hours. More like around... 38 or 40 hours after they win the championship. Well, but don't you think there was some planning if, if they did wrap up game six? So it's really not that they put it together that quick. They, they should have had somebody working on this. But most parades, as you know, don't turn around that quick. The, we usually get maybe a three, maybe a four-day mat. You know, it's, it's that. And I get it. You've got to clear things through the city. You've got to organize the routes. And how about the floats? Because there's always some floats. And you've got to doctor up these cars and, and, and buses and that sort of thing. So... That'd be a quick turnaround, but were you forward-thinking if you're Milwaukee? Okay. I mean, you did fall behind two games to none, just like that, and then all of a sudden, you know, we had three in a row. Okay, let's yeah, let's let's start that parade route. Right, let's but you also Thursday. don't generally have to do a turnaround this quick where some of the players are going to be flying off in two there days to the Olympics. That's what I was thinking. So, so you better have some yeah. forward-thinking. That, that's what I was now, thinking. Now, if it would have been why. a Game 7 and they won in Phoenix and then they had to fly back to the parade and then get over, that would have been a more difficult transition. But since they won there and they're already there, mm. I would think that that would have helped mm. out a little bit in the planning. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, as we know, 65,000 fans were there to With celebrate 20, Game 6. With 20,000 in the state, so yep. 85,000 yep. really there. So. Yeah, and those were legit numbers as well, too. And again, we talked about it yesterday. There were uh, a couple of scenarios there that happened. There were some gunshots, but luckily no one was seriously uh, wounded. There were people uh, climbing up. Light poles, a couple people jumping in the river there. and uh, But, yeah. So, uh, yes, Giannis and company, uh, they were there today from the bus, had the parade. Uh, a little overcast day in Milwaukee today as well, too. Because so, it rains the in the parade. summertime back in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's right. Now, what river is that? Uh, Do you know right offhand or? Because I, I know don't. there's because the, I know in Chicago it's the Chicago River. Well, I know the Fox the, River goes yeah, all the, the way Fox through. Yeah, the Fox River goes all the way through yeah. there and through yeah, Illinois. So part because, of that, yeah, because the restaurant I worked at in Algonquin actually is right on the Fox River. So mm-hmm. correct, Amundo. Yeah. So all right, so we'll talk to B.J. Armstrong. We'll talk to Matt Holt today as well too. We're going to talk to Matt a little bit later on in this hour. So hang tight for that because news coming out today that Oklahoma and Texas want to go to the SEC. They want to bolt for the Big Twelve and they want to join the big boys in the SEC. So this is a major story. It's one of these ones that I despise, I don't like. And again, it's the traditionalist in me. Uh, and I think that you know conferences should be all about tradition. It should be about proximity. should be about rivalries. And still, to this day, I am irked about some of these realignments. And I don't like Rutgers in Maryland in the Big Ten. Texas A&M in the SEC, and they bolted back in 2012 along with Missouri. Still can't get used to it. Still don't like it. And we've seen conferences destroyed. We've seen conferences obliterated, demolished, gone. I mean, you think about the old Southwest Conference, the SWC back in the day with Arkansas and you know Texas and in those schools, SMU, I mean, those were some great rivalries. And they just disbanded that. And they expanded the Big 12, you know, the, from the Big 8 to the Big 12. And now these conferences have more than 12. 
the SEC has 14 teams. The Big Ten has what? 14 teams. The Pac-10 has 12 teams. Well, the Pac-12 is the Pac-12, right? But remember, for a while, they're the Pac-10. They're the Pac-8. So, yeah, uh, this, is a, this is a story we got to monitor because now the schools uh, at, uh, uh, in the Big 12 are having basically an emergency meeting tonight after they got this news that Oklahoma and Texas want to bolt. They are going to have a meeting with all of their uh, you know, school representatives, whether the presidents, um, you know, athletic directors, and say, hey, uh, th- this news seems like uh, it's legit here. What are we going to do? And here we are, getting ready for the start of the football season. Yeah, and I'm curious to see, too, what the details of it are and you know, what's so enticing. I realize the SEC is enticing, but Texas seems like they're in a pretty good situation. Mm-hmm. They have the Longhorn. They have their own television network. They have everything going. It, it seems like they are the jewel of that conference that they bent over backwards to let them do everything, still have their individuality or something, kind of like with Notre Dame you know, playing basketball in the Big East but not having the other sports and this, that, and the other. So I, I, I was a little bit surprised to see Texas with the pristine deal that they have be one of the two teams. I understand the draw of the SEC, but, boy, it seems like they got the sweetheart deal of sweetheart deals. Yeah, and Oklahoma does as well, too. I mean, Oklahoma and Texas, and Texas has the Longhorn Network. But both of these teams, uh, they're the only two teams in the Big 12 that have this situation where uh, this, this special TV deal, that if they leave, that they're still going to you know, have to give the Big 12 money. And so we're going to dive into all that with Matt from U.S. Integrity, our sportsbook guy as well, too. But this is what Matt does now in his company with U.S. Integrity. He talks about the integrity of college sports. So great topic. We'll touch. Uh, That's a full-time him. job. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's touch upon this. Uh, some of the more breaking news here. Uh, Olympic Games protest. And uh, get ready. Unfortunately, I think you feel the same way I do, Frank. This is something that uh, I'm cringing I'm cringing at, at watching the opening ceremonies without fans. I'm cringing watching all of these events without fans. But I'm cringing at, to see how many protests, especially from American athletes, that we are going to have when they win medals, specifically gold medals. Are we going to see you know, fist raise, back turned on the flag? Taking and, a knee. And taking a knee and all that stuff. Okay, so here's the latest. Uh, so Tommy Smith and John Carlos, as we remember from 1968, those uh, of us that are old enough, uh, and remember what an impact that had on a negative impact when they went with the power fist. And um, this was a, a big deal where they threatened to take away, you know, the Olympic Committee threatened to take away their, their medals and further competition. And that was a turbulent time in 1968. And so Tommy Smith and John Carlos, kind of the forerunners of that. Speaking of which, Tommy Smith was at the WNBA All-Star Game. He was there, got a chance to see him, you know, last week. So... Uh, and he got a staying ovation as well. So I think a lot of people, you know, have have changed their their mindset. Just like Muhammad Ali and even Mike Tyson, even though Tyson's not in this realm, but I'm talking about athletes that a lot of people kind of frowned on for some of their activity. Oh, for sure. And now have turned around and and really applauded. And and even the Tommy Smith John Carlos thing, the forgotten story in that was the bronze medal winner from mm-hmm. Australia who actually supported them and kind of hung his head in support to let them have their moment. A lot of people don't know, it completely ruined his life and career and yes. everything in Australia. Yes. So Tommy Smith, John Carlos, and Gwen Berry, who is a current Olympian on, on Team USA, are among more than 150 athletes and educators and activists who have signed a letter 
this morning urging the IOC not to punish participants who demonstrate at the games. Now, they issued a five-page letter asking them not to sanction athletes for kneeling, raising a fist, or turning their back on, on their country's flag. What about the other competitors from the other countries? Say, for example, Gwen Berry wins a silver medal or a bronze medal. And let's just say someone from Sweden, we'll use that as an example, wins the gold medal. Is Gwen Berry going to sit there and, and, and turn her back on the Swedish national anthem? Or say, for example, you win the gold medal. And then you say you have Sweden and Lithuania you know, on the podium with you. They're probably happy as can be to earn a medal and to win that medal. And they're going to be putting their hand over their heart, even though the national anthem of the United States would be playing, but still they're looking at their flag. They're not looking at the red, white, and blue of the USA. Right. So when you look at this, how selfish is this? Now, if it's you, yourself, and that's it, okay, maybe one little thing here. But this is, this is, a, this is going to be a lot of controversy. It's going to have a lot of legs to this story. And one that, that I really don't care for at all, just for the reasons what I just said. Well, I don't care for it at all. I mean, I understand one of the things of this country is that you do have the freedom to do what you want to do. But if you're going over there to represent, and I know that a lot of people say that I'm not going over there to represent the United States. I'm going over there to try to voice myself and everything. But there are certain protocols that I think you should follow, you know. But it is their freedom, I guess, to do it. I wouldn't like to see it. I think there's going to be a lot of backlash. But like you mentioned as well, when, you know, Smith and Carlos did that years ago, at the time it was controversial, but to their neighborhoods and that and to their communities, they became heroes in a lot of ways. And now this many years later, they're still referenced and, you know, they're more revered now than they were. When Muhammad Ali then Cassius Clay threw his gold medal into the river, you know, there was a lot of talk about it. So... We don't know what goes on in other people's lives, and I don't like to tell them how to live it. I would like to see it done differently. I have a couple friends of mine that said that they were glad that the women's team lost that first soccer game because they took a knee. And I was like, okay, but, you know, both teams took a knee. Yeah, and people feel that way. I mean, they definitely feel that way. They're, they're affected. It's going to, you know, have you root against your own country, which, which is terrible. But I guess here's the thing. I, everyone has the right, you know, to do that. But then again... If you are participating in someone else's event, okay, this is the International Olympic Committee, okay? And if they have rules in place, you shouldn't challenge. And it is selfish, in my opinion, especially for this person saying this. I'm going to use my platform, whatever. That's selfish because it's not just you. You are sharing the podium with other people, and potentially you're sharing it with other countries who do not share your same viewpoint. So what you're trying to do, is to upstage them. And I'll say it again. This is the moment of many athletes' lives. The glorious moment they will ever, ever have. And then they will have to live with that. You hit the nail on the head when you said, with Tommy Smith, the, the person who won the bronze medal, they remember that for the rest of their life. So again, if you want a platform, then maybe you should do it on another, uh, another stage or another venue that doesn't affect anybody else. And here's part two of this. Yes, there are problems, and some people feel that it, it, it's not getting any better. But you know what? We have had all these, all these activists, and we've had you know, the president, and we've had other groups and we've, uh, you know, in different cities throughout the country who are 
trying to make amends and trying to make things better. We see police officers get thrown in jail, uh, fired, reprimanded, that sort of thing, okay? So things are trying to get better. People in this country are actively trying to make it better. So when you do something like this now, that's not really a hot-button topic right now. To me, you are bringing it upon yourself, and it comes across selfish because it's not like People in the United States are saying, nah, you know, we, we, we disagree with, with, with all this action. Things are fine. Things are fine. This and that. No, they acknowledge it and they're trying to make it better. And we see it on a daily basis. People are trying to make it better. No, they are trying to make it better. But I guess, and again, I, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here and argue with you. But I don't know what their viewpoints are. I don't know what goes on in their community and what they're thinking a lot. And a lot of them would say, well, okay, you tell us to do it at a different platform. We're never going to have this big a platform again is the argument they're going to use. Now, I will say, if it's not the gold medal, it's meaningless. Because if it's not your national anthem, then it, is, then it does look like you're punking on somebody else's. But if an American wins the gold, and then that other woman that you said that already turned her back, if she medals in, it's still going to be the national anthem, even if she doesn't have the gold. So she could still turn her back on that. But I think you have to have your national anthem playing to make this relevant. But I think the argument that they're going to use is, this is the biggest platform and the best place we're ever going to have to make it worldwide. I don't like it. I'm completely against it. But I don't know how to stop it. I don't know how to endorse it. The thing that I would like to see brought up, and I haven't heard anybody say this, and it just popped in my head when we're talking about this topic. I remember the Olympics that were boycotted. When they said, yeah. when they said we're not going to Moscow because of things going on in Afghanistan and things like that, I believe it was at the time. Yep. I would like to get a reference point from some of those athletes that never got the opportunity to even compete and say, you know what? You guys have a platform and you're performing in the Olympics. We never got that chance. Yep. We never got a chance to win a gold and endorse ourselves and become millionaires afterwards, whether we're a gymnast or a track and field star or whatever it was. What would those people give just to have the opportunity to stand up there, drape themselves in the flag, and listen to the national anthem? I don't know why no one's ever done a documentary to talk about the forgotten Olympians that never got the chance to compete. Because something tells me the majority of them would have a whole different perspective on this. I do have experience with that because in our Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, we, we've had a couple of Olympians at that point in time that did not get a chance to go. And their thoughts were exactly that. I did not have that opportunity and they were crushed by it. Not only were they crushed emotionally because of how hard they worked, but they were crushed financially too. Because remember what happens when you win a gold medal or you win any medal or you win a variety of medals, several medals, you have endorsement deals. Oh yeah, you're it, on you're on Wheaties, you're on cereal exactly. boxes, you're part everything. of a team, you're on right. posters, you're every back in the eighties, right. back in that right. time, everything was a poster on a kid's bedroom wall. Correct. And and so when you go through that, and even it could be the smallest of endorsements back in those days, that that meant a whole lot of money because these guys were not getting paid nothing, especially you know track and field athletes and swimmers and that sort of thing. Could be a local car dealer. You can Absolutely. have a car to drive around for Absolutely. a year or two. Yeah, that's a nice stipend so, back in those yeah. days. But going back, what you said about you don't know what you can do about it. Well, that's why the IOC has this rule in place. This is why they said that we are going to punish you and, and reprimand you, take away your medals, or, or or do these things. So, and they have every right to do it. That's not against, 
you know, someone say, hey, well, freedom of speech, I can do whatever I want. Well, yeah, you can. But the organizers of the games have every right to do that. And people may not like that. But then again, that's a choice you have to make. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this for my plan. And again, be specific. Be specific on, on what you're actually protesting. Going back to Colin Kaepernick, we never knew exactly what he was protesting until well after the fact. And that's, and that's so. part of the problem. If you want to do a protest, let people know what it is that, you, that you're saying they're not against. And I want to point this out real quick, too. The Carlson Smith thing. It's not like that was premeditated. They didn't even know what they were doing. Correct. They didn't even have that. That's why if you look at the picture and you don't know, one's wearing the right-handed glove, one's wearing the left-handed. It was another USA Olympian that gave them the two gloves because they honestly didn't know what they were going to do till they walked up there. They didn't even have the, the cohesiveness to have it the same hand or something like that. So, you know, it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing then. Now it seems like everybody's trying to pre-plan this stuff. Final thing on this, there were... 3,547 athletes that were surveyed, okay? And the biggest cross-section of athletes who answered these surveys were China, 14%. The uh, United States was 7%, and Japan, 6%, okay? Especially in China here, overwhelmingly, all of the Chinese people that they surveyed oppose to any protest. So, again, and there's a lot of Americans that are opposing. to They, they want to celebrate, and, they, and they, they want that moment. They... They honor their country. So this letter also takes a shot at this Olympic survey that was done of the 3,547 athletes uh, that were surveyed here. So again, so this is why the IOC decided to keep this Rule 50 in place because of the feedback that they got from the survey and saying, okay, we're, we're going to keep everything in place because we see that this is not overwhelmingly people want to protest. So... You know, there's believe it or not, there's some some thought process that went into this before these games. You know, and the IOC listened, and then they that's why they threw out a survey. And some people say, well, it was only 3,500. Well, you can only do so many, and those were the people that actually said we'll take the survey as well too. But go by the numbers, and again, it's a small fraction of people that want to protest. So what do you do if you're the IOC? I understand this. You're going to say, hey, we're going to you know keep our Rule 50 in place. You can protest, but just don't do it. And the medal stand, you know, before games, and that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. So, all right, Matthew Holt's going to join us. We'll touch maybe on, on this with him. We're going to touch upon him with the uh, Oklahoma and Texas situation as well. Plus, we'll talk about betting of the NBA Finals and the Olympic betting as well, too. Playing to cover here on this Thursday, T.C. Martin Ballpark, Frank. Get out that ghetto blaster! There's more in store around your door and more of what you're looking for with the Dr. T.C. Martin. The parade, the parade, the parade in Milwaukee. Oh, yeah, what a glorious day in Milwaukee, huh? All right, we're going to... Does it make me evil if I kind of hope it rains on their parade? <laughs> well, look, some of the highlights we saw, I don't know if it rained or not, but it was definitely overcast there yeah. in Milwaukee. I mean, again, I have nothing against the Bucks, but I know there's a lot of that other team up there fans, too. In fact, probably all Will of them. Will you stop it? Stop it! Remember, I keep always have to remind you, you're a media guy. You shouldn't have that fandemonium. I'm a human that being, prejudice, too. That prejudice fandemonium come into play. It's not even the same sport. No, wait a second. If you don't like the Packers, what does it have to do with the Bucks? Wait a second. Or the Brewers. Wait, wait. Uh, Matt Holt is joining us. Hey, uh, how we doing, man? Matt, what's going on, buddy? 
Nothing to celebrate in this Bucks championship with everybody. You know, I, I was interesting. I was looking at the futures odds today, and very rarely do we see a team with a young superstar the likes of Giannis win a championship and then open the next year as the sixth betting favorite, double digits. You can get 12-1 to 1 on the Milwaukee Bucks to repeat. It doesn't seem like they're getting a lot of respect in next year's NBA futures market. And the thing about it is, Matt, Everyone is probably coming back for this team. Maybe not everyone, but a majority of their their key players are coming back. I mean, you, we know Giannis is going to be there. Sounds like Middleton's probably going to be back. You know, uh, I mean, th- that does make coming back. Yeah, doesn't really make sense, does it? Sixth? Oh, it doesn't. Yeah, and, and you're telling me that the Philadelphia 76ers seem like a, a better here? choice. Yeah, that's crazy. The Warriors, who were the nine seed, they're you know they're uh, significantly they're only seven to one, and the Bucks were twelve to one. They have twice as good a chance as winning the title as the Bucks. I found that one to be a little bit interesting. Yeah, not a lot of love for the Bucks' chances to come back and do it again. What was your thoughts, Matt, on uh, when you look at the betting numbers here for not just Game Six, but you know the entire series overall, really the whole playoffs. Well, it was a hard series to handicap, and it's easy. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, so it's easy for people to talk about it now. But we have to remember, coming into this series, we had no idea, really, what the status of Giannis's knee was going to be. You know, was he going to be able to play? They won those the last game of the, the series prior to that against Atlanta without Giannis. What would Giannis's statuses be? And then... Even if he was playing, would he be healthy? And Phoenix looked really good the first couple of games, and you thought, boy, if Giannis isn't isn't really going to be healthy this series. And then all of a sudden they reel off four straight wins and win the title. So I thought it was a difficult series to bet, and the difficulty came from the fact that you didn't know if Giannis was going to be healthy. Now, after about game three or four, I think it was pretty apparent to everyone that Giannis was going to be full strength. And then at least you could start wagering on these two teams' full strength on the matchups. But at least early on in this series, a very difficult series to handicap because of the you know the health status of Giannis. Matthew Holt joins us, U.S. Integrity. Matt, a big topic here. Uh, we're hearing a lot today. These you know college conference uh, alignments, and with Oklahoma and Texas, they reached out to the SEC requesting to join them and leave the Big Twelve. Uh, this is something that I'm not crazy about, but then again, you know, I'm one of those traditionalists. I believe that you know college sports should be all about you know rivalries, proximity, and it's still taking me a, a long time to get used to these you know teams that uh, have to travel 1,500 miles like Rutgers and Maryland to go play you know teams like Iowa and Wisconsin in the in the Big Ten and you know all of this stuff. It, it's crazy. And now uh, we thought it was bad before when you're talking about these. Two Two national powerhouses in Texas and Oklahoma saying, hey, Big 12, uh, we're thinking about leaving, going to SEC. Uh, Give me your immediate thoughts. Look, this has been in the works for a long time. If you remember several years back when that expansion first started, Rutgers in Maryland at Boston College and the ACC, of course that made no geographic sense either. Boston College and Syracuse leaving the Big East to join the ACC. The whole idea back then was let's build a four-conference, four 16-teams conference 
Super League, where basically you have 64 teams, you have four conference winners every year, and they play um, they play in a title game. You know, the four conference championship game winners would play in a little playoff. Nobody would ever complain because you got the winner of each conference in. And the only holdup, you know, five, whatever it was, four, five, six years ago to getting that done was Texas. The only reason the Big 12 even remained intact was the fact that Texas had such a sweetheart deal with the Longhorn Network, and the Big 12, I heard, offered them a higher share uh, to stay that they ended up staying, and, and that whole thing got foiled and slowed down. But now it looks like with NIL and everything else going on, TV rights, that the Power Five is ready to be the Power Four, whether we call it D1, the Power Four, whatever it is. You know, they never let, whether you went undefeated or not, whether it's Tulane, Hawaii, UCF, they never let any of these other schools that went undefeated participate for a championship anyway in college football. So if you're never going to be allowed to participate, what the heck's the point of being in the same division? It makes perfect sense to have four 16-team super conferences, and I think this would fill out the SEC. Obviously, you hate to see the SEC get Texas and Oklahoma while the rich get richer. Um, and I, I think it, if that ends up going through, we assume that the other three conferences will go ahead and try to fill out their 16 and, and within two years turn it into, literally, that's the whole league is those four conferences um, fighting for titles. It'll be interesting to see what the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC do in response because the Big Ten already has 14 teams. Um, there's going to be some big-name schools, I think, right now, whether it's Kansas or, or some schools like that that may be on the outside of this thing looking in because football is king. I'll be interested to see how the whole alignment ends up shaking out. So according to SEC bylaws, uh, they need three quarters of their universities have to sign off on accepting new members here, which would mean 11 of the 14 teams in the SEC would have to sign off on that. Do you see that happening? And what do you think the mindset is for the teams like you know Vanderbilt, Auburn, and, and, and Tennessee and some of these other ones? I think for all those schools, they're going to vote for it. I think they're going to think it's great. More money, more attention, more big media markets coming right here to the SEC, which means more money for everybody. The more money the conference gets, the more the the media rights are worth for that conference. Everybody gets a conference share. The best thing Vanderbilt can hope for, they're never going to be competitive in football, is that more money is flooding into the conference and they get to disperse that money and that they get to stay in the SEC. The fact that Vanderbilt football gets to stay in what is going to be the greatest football conference in the history of sports um, is a real testament, and I imagine they can't wait to vote yes. In some ways, it seems kind of logical to make it a power four instead of a power five because you have an even number of teams with four as opposed to five. But how does this um, go with the timing of it? If this is going on now and you're going to have basically that power four and you know the other conferences is gone or going to be decimated and teams are going to be running to see where else they can join, and the timing of it at the same time, now that we know that student-athletes are now about to be able to get paid for their likeness and other images and that, how does that affect it? Does it make it even more valuable for recruits and high school kids to be going to the one of these power four conferences, or will there still be enough room in the other conferences uh, you know that kids can strike on their own. 
Well, I think obviously the rich are going to get richer a little bit. But it's going to make it easier for all of us to digest and understand college football and its championship. Why doesn't UCF get to get even get a chance to play for the title? It, it's annoying. It, it's tough to figure out. BYU last year, even if they would have been, you know, won, uh, had not lost that one game, they weren't playing for the championship. We just need to have a clear and decisive path to a championship and what the divisions look like and have more interesting, exciting regular season games. That brings in the TV and the sports betting revenue. And I think the rest of the schools, because there's 130 right now in D1, so basically you have 64 and 64. You have a few independents, UMass, New Mexico State. They're probably going to have to go back to SCS. But the rest of the conferences can do the exact same thing, build another four-team, and you call it what? One's the power four, one's the not-so-powerful four. And they can have their own championship too, but at least they'll all be able to compete for titles. The Boise States, the UCFs, the Cincinnati's, they'll actually be participating for titles. And let's face it, with streaming media now, there is plenty of TV and streaming slots to go around for those guys which should also equate to plenty of opportunities for student-athletes to make some money off their own brand and likeness. Right. Now, other schools are going to have some issues with this, and specifically Texas A&M. Remember, Texas A&M, along with Missouri, they left the Big 12 in 2012 to join the SEC. Texas A&M got word of this, and they said, hey, we've got a major problem with this. And their president said, here's the quote, we want to be the only SEC program in the state of Texas. There's a reason why Texas A&M left the Big 12, to be a standalone, to have our own identity. Do they have a right to say that, Matt? Nope. And they're going to lose, and there's too much money involved for anyone in that conference. You brought up Vanderbilt, and everyone says, well, how does the last place team get... You know, they're going to make more money. They're going to be able to take that money, and it may not help them compete in football, but Vanderbilt's women's basketball, their men's basketball, their baseball team, which, by the way, was just in the right. uh, you know College World Series championships, those sports will continue to flourish because of the money they get from football. They can't wait for Oklahoma. They can't wait for Texas. Same thing for Tennessee. Same thing for a whole bunch of these schools. So how much of an obstacle is this? Because this, when I'm looking at this the whole situation here, television is, is kind of the key here. It's, it is the key. So Oklahoma and Texas signed a Big 12 grant of rights agreement in which they granted the first and the second tier media rights for football and men's basketball to the Big 12 conference through 2025, meaning that the Big 12 would still own those schools' media rights for those sports, even if they're no longer members. So even if they, they bolt and say, hey, we're going to SEC, uh, they're stuck, and they don't get that money. That money goes to the Big 12. So how much of that plays? Because they're, why in the world, especially with the construction of their own network and everything, I mean, why would, uh, and we're talking about Texas there, but with both of these schools, that language is in their agreements and their contract, and we know that ESPN and Fox, uh, their contracts with the Big 12 go through 2025. How could you leave all of that money on the table, even though that means, hey, we're going to a bigger and shinier conference? Well, that money's not going to be left on the table, TC. They're going to renegotiate that deal. And at the end of the day, I have to assume the Big 12 just goes away at some point here in the next. If, if Oklahoma 
and Texas do leave now, then, and let's say that, you know, next season, obviously the schedules are already out for this season, next season they play an SEC schedule, my assumption is in the meantime, you know, the Big Ten probably gobbles up Kansas and, and Iowa State. Uh, you know, even though Kansas isn't very good at football, they they do have enough name recognition at basketball where it might be worth it for the Big Ten to take a shot on Kansas and Iowa State. Oklahoma State probably ends up in the Pac-12. TCU, I don't know. You may end up in the not-so-powerful four. Um, you know, same thing with Baylor. You know, Baylor just won a national championship in basketball. That may be appealing enough for the Pac-12 to take a shot on them. But they also, Waco is not exactly the biggest market. They may not end up in the, they may end up in the not so powerful four. But they'll just renegotiate those TV deals. They'll end up kicking the Big 12 conference guys some money um, in, in a buyout situation, and, and the rights will, and the money will all end up going to the SEC. One thing that we hear all the time is people want to expand the college football playoff. They want more teams in there, and they want, you know, some people like the Cinderella's, the Cincinnati's, some other team to get a chance to win. With this new arrangement, if this happens in the SEC and that, is it going to make it that much more difficult for anybody else to win outside of the Power Four conferences if that's what it ends up being? Again, Frank, they don't have any chances now. UCF yeah. been yeah. undefeated. Yeah. They beat Auburn that season. Hawaii. None of those teams even get the opportunity to play. So their chance right now of winning a national championship is zero. Not only do, when this Power Four things comes out, do you have four, a Power Four conference? You have to separate it now. It's no longer 128, or it's 130 officially again with the with the independents. You no longer have 130 teams competing for that championship. You take that power four, call it whatever you want to call it, the premier college football, whatever. They play for their own championship, and everybody else can still be D1 college football championship. Yeah. So it's like you're a UFC champ or you're a Bellator champ, but USC is the king of it. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And again, I don't think they would disband the Big 12, uh, Matt, but don't you think it goes by the way the way we saw like Conference USA kind of deteriorate over years, and now we're going to get, like say, Memphis gets slid into uh, Texas's spot and, and somebody else, you know, Texas El Paso or whatever it is, which becomes a watered-down Big 12. Well, the problem with the Big 12 is they already only had 10 teams. Right. You know, we make fun of, like, the Pac-12 where they have 14 or the Big 10, which has 14, but nobody has less. The Big 12 only has 10, and they and they were struggling to get to 10. This was a conference who a lot of people thought was going to disband years earlier, um, and then Texas blocked it because of the Longhorn Network. I, I'm not sure the Big 12 just doesn't go away. All right. Final thing for you, Matt. Uh, Mikey Williams, high school basketball player in San Diego, Actually, he's going to go to high school. He's going to change schools and go to North Carolina at a prep academy. He's entering his junior year, and he already has an NIL deal, name, image, and likeness deal, that could earn him millions of dollars. He's got a huge social media following. Could be the first high school athlete to generate this kind of money. Uh, so when the NIL you know, came into place here for colleges, I don't think anyone thought that, wait a minute, high school kids could earn this money, and you would think there would be some... Uh, some you know laws or something into place there that would prohibit that. What is going to happen here now? Does this go all the way down to the high school level? We're going to see high school kids making millions. 
Here's the problem, TC. I'm not sure anybody actually ever really thought out NIL in its entirety, period. I mean, there was just this huge groundswell that could no longer be stopped of, oh, this big bad NCA and all these colleges are making all this money off these players' likenesses. They need to be able to make some money. You know, this is slave driving. Look what we're doing to these people. We're just completely taking advantage of these young students, despite the fact that it's it's hundreds of thousands of dollars per year with scholarships and travel and equipment and clothing and everything that they get out of it. But there was no longer going to be able to be any way to stop that groundswell of support where these athletes need to get paid. So they came up with something that they thought kind of at least said, okay, here we did it, but nobody really thought it out well. And we always said that there's going to be some administrative issues with NIL, and some of them are starting to pop up before we even got into our first college sports season with NIL. So is that going to be the next step then, that people are going to be uh, these kids on AAU teams and that in high school and everything are going to go, hey, I should be able to sell my likeness too? And basketball is going to be the one because early on, you know, these kids at 13, 14 are already, you know, people. They're identified. You're right. LeBron James was all over the world. I remember him coming out here and he had an entourage. He was walking around with Paul Pierce and nobody knew who Paul Pierce was. The thing about it is there's like 20 of those now. LeBron James was kind of a standalone. Now there's like 20 of those kids every year. Right. And that's what I'm saying. So are they going to be able to start making money in high school? Try to stop them. There it is. And like I said, there's there's no rule in place here. So. It's crazy. All right, Matt, great stuff as usual, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to get you back on uh, next week as well, and I want to start diving into a lot of these uh, football contests uh, as well here in Vegas. So I know that uh, you're in tune with that as well too, my friend. Right around the corner. Here we go. I mean, football is almost back. Look, it's raining. It's not 115 degrees today. <laughs> the world is changing, my friend. There yeah. you go. Take care, brother. All right. There he is, Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity. Yes, we'll continue to monitor this story, this Oklahoma-Texas scenario, joining the SEC uh, trying to become the biggest superpower conference in the history of college athletics. Just think, if you were still pitching today, you could have got an agent. Yeah, this is true, right? You know? <laughs> oh, man. What would that mean for Chris Basio? What would that mean for him? I don't know. You knew him better in high school than I did. <laughs> I, I beat mean, him. I beat him, man. I mean, once once it came out that he gave up a triple to you, it might have blown the endorsements. <laughs> BJ Armstrong will join us on the other side of the hour. We talk NBA Finals and more on this thunderous thunderstorm Thursday. Thursday. It is showtime, baby. Here we go. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. There you go. And you can see he's rising to the occasion. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Oh, awesome baby with a cap of the leg. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. This is your captain, baby. Hey, come with me. The doctor is now in. Hour number two on this thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Ballpark Frank with me. Numbchuck on the other side of the glass. We're hitting it all for you here today. NBA Finals, a parade in Milwaukee. Yes, 100,000 plus. Gallivanting, having a good time. Yeah, I don't think you should hate the Bucks 
at all. I think you got to realize. I don't hate the Bucks. I told you I don't hate I know, the Bucks. I know. But you just said earlier last hour, you're kind of on the fence because. No, no, because I, I hate another team up yeah. there. And uh, the fans, uh, it's, it's the same fan base. So, yeah. you know, if they got a little rain on their parade, it wouldn't be the end of the world. And what's a parade in Milwaukee look like? Is it all like snowmobiles and John Deere tractors? Stop it! It's 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 July, man. Maskin. It, oh, oh, so it's all Harleys. It's a, it, it, a lot it's of Harleys. Like, yeah. Yeah. Harley, okay. Harley so Davidson like a, it's right like a down biker the street. Parade. Yeah. All right, that's cool. I think it's buses. No, it's buses. We saw Giannis on the bus today. The NBA kind of has their routine thing with the buses. They do buses, but you know, again, like old school Milwaukee, they may have some uh, flowery type of. Floats and that sort of thing as well, too. What flower would they use in Wisconsin? Uh, sunflower. Sunflower? Oh. <laughs> I, th- I thought it would be a cheese lot, flower. I thought it would be a lot of sodden corn yeah, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> could, so. could, could be as well, too. Yeah. <laughs> cheese, my friend. Cheese. There you go. I'd like to buy some cheese. Not much of a cheese shop, is it? All right. Let's bring in our sharpshooting point guard. He does it all, ladies and gentlemen, except one thing. He did not prognosticate properly. He said we're going to have a Game 7. We're going to have him on today to start hyping the Game 7. B.J. Armstrong, give up the funk. There's no Game 7, brother. (laughs) Hey, you're absolutely right. And uh, you know what? Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. And, um, you know, that was a great game. I mean, Giannis was phenomenal. And uh, that was a tough game. And you can see you need an exceptional, exceptional player to have an exceptional game. And that was perhaps one of the greatest closeout games I've seen. And it was terrific, fabulous, however you want to describe it. And uh, we're not right now. We are currently in the Giannis era because this young man here looks like he's going to be a force to be reckoned with for many years to come. When you look at Giannis and the development, just not the body development when he was like 180 pounds when he came out of Greece, and now you look at him at chiseled 245, and you look at the way his game has developed, but how about the person of Giannis and seeing this guy, how humble he is, even though he got a super max deal, and a guy that is loyal to his community and this team and this franchise, he is one of the rare guys, isn't he, BJ? Yeah, he, he, he really is. And his ability to, to reflect and his comments have been so, like, thoughtful. You know, I'm, I'm just impressed about how thoughtful his comments were um, about, you know, him achieving what he's achieved individually. B.J. Armstrong joins us, a three-time NBA champion. Every time we have a finals champion, the question gets asked, like, okay, is this a team that could turn into, like, a dynasty situation? And especially when you look at the Bucks and their depth of talent, and for the most part, it looks like they're going to keep a majority of these guys. When you look at Milwaukee, do you look at this like as maybe a one-off, or do you look at it that they can maybe be, maybe not be like your Chicago Bulls teams, but maybe like the Golden State Warriors where they had that dominant run for you know a, a five- or six-year run, and even though they didn't win championships all those years, but are, are getting to the finals. How do you view this Bucks team going forward? Well, without question right now, they have the best player. Okay, so let's start there. You know, Giannis was without question now, he is the best player in the NBA on both sides of the ball, right? He's scoring 40, 50 points in an era where we say this is 
the three ball and small ball era, this young man is scoring 50 points in a closeout game without a consistent jump shot, let alone a three-point shot. If he had a consistent jump shot, these may be 60, 70-point games. An 80-point game if he had a three ball to go with it. So without question, they have a closer. So let's start there. Now, you need health. You need a little luck. You need a few bounces to go your way. And you have to keep adding to your team because the other teams are going to close the gap, right? Most of the teams now are looking at them as the team to beat, and they're going to start building teams around them or building teams or rosters that can compete and, and, and try to target what it is they don't do well. So I don't think they will have a problem with complacency, but I do think the other teams around the league feel that they will be able to compete with them and compete at the highest level. I mean, this team has been down 0-2 in, a, in two, not one series, but two series in this year's playoffs. So at some point, that's going to catch up with you. And um, But do I think they can compete for championships? Absolutely. Now, winning a championship, you know, you, you, you know what you're saying is Jordan. Jordan goes six for six. Well, that, that's tough. That's difficult. But I do think they have a player who will always put them in position. Now, will the other players continue to step up? Will the organization put in the right pieces, health, so forth and so on? Those are things um, that you, you, need to, you need to go in the way. But I, I think they will be right there, for, like I said, for, for many years to come or as long as Giannis can be healthy and uh, continue to go out there and perform. When it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks now, We know that in the past, some people haven't wanted to go to a place like Milwaukee. It's a smaller town. Some people think maybe there's not as much to do there. With the success of this team and with a guy like Giannis staying there, does it make it more possible and more attractive for potential free agents to go, yeah, you know what, I'll I'll head up to Milwaukee now, and we got a great player already. They got a nice system. They've won a championship. I'll give Milwaukee a try and go up there because I want to win rings. And they got good food, BJ. You know that. They got good food in Milwaukee. Come well, on. You know, I, I always laugh to myself. I always laugh to myself when guys, you know, start reporting, you know, destinations, you know. It's, I think the real destination is the media, right? The, the media would rather be in South Beach. The media would rather be in L.A. or Chicago or New York. You know, guys are playing basketball. And look. When you play, it's not like you're enjoying that city. You're like, you have the same routine. You, 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 you land, you get on the bus, you go to your hotel, you go to practice, get your nap, get your room service, whatever it is, and you go to the game. But for those of us who have to stay there and stay overnight, because the players aren't staying there overnight, they get on the, the plane, immediately follow the game, and move out to the next destination, it's more fun to go to those cities. So I think – if winning is a priority, you do what you got to do. You do what you got to do, right? If I got to go to Milwaukee to win five championships in a row, that seems like a pretty good deal to me, <laughs> you know? So I'm, I'm not buying that one. I just think now Giannis has emerged. So I think players who want to win and who are serious about winning, who understand the concept of team and, and all of those things, will navigate to Milwaukee, and um, there's good food up there. I, I've been up there and spent a lot of time in Milwaukee. It's a great city, and um, it, it's great. I mean, you can see the excitement with the fans, the city, uh, the state, and um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a great place. 
You know, I understand what you're saying when you're talking about the media, and the media makes a, a lot about that, you know, like warm weather cities and this and that. But we have, you know, heard players, you know, talk about that, and, and certain things are important to certain players, whether it's the nightlife and that sort of thing. Maybe not you and some other people, but there, there's a fraction of people that that is important to. And I guess case in point is, then how come we don't hear you know, uh, many free agents going to places like cold weather cities, like Milwaukee and in Minnesota, at least the superstars players. We always hear them say, hey, uh, you know, I love to go to warm weather city. We saw LeBron James say he wanted to go to L.A. before his movie business and, you know, have his kids go to school out there, the AU programs and all that other kind of nonsense. I mean, it, it does kind of seem like it's media driven, but I think we get that because we've seen you know, stars say, I don't want to go there, and look where they end up. And that goes way back to in time, too, because I think recently Kareem Jabbar said that the reason that he survived in Milwaukee as long as he did was because Chicago was only like 90 miles away, That it, because he was from New York in high school, went to Los Angeles in college, and that he said he needed that big city. So even way back in those days, Kareem admitted that, uh, you know, he liked playing for the Bucks in that, but Chicago was kind of a saving grace for doing stuff. Yeah, I mean, I look. There's different strokes for different folks, right. and there isn't a right or wrong here. But I, I, I think when you're talking about winning the championship, it's not like there are a lot of champions. It's not like every organization is winning. There's a reason why the teams that do win win, and there's a team that the teams that don't win win. Right? You know, when you start looking around, there aren't a lot of franchises. <laughs> okay, you know, it's just great now that Milwaukee suddenly has emerged. You know, two championships in the last, what, 50 years. So, you know, when you look at it, you start looking around. You know, you, you have the Celtics. You have the Lakers. You got the Bulls. You got the Rockets. You know, have a few in there. The Pistons. So, you know, there aren't a lot. You know, but if I have to go to San Antonio to win, I do what I got to do. And, and it's, when it's all said and done, and I think you saw it with Cleveland, when LeBron went back there, players will come if they have an opportunity to win. Right. B.J. Armstrong joins yes. us. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, you, have, you know something about parades, all right? So uh, give us a, a, little, a couple parade stories. I know you went through at least three of them. We got the Bucks doing their parade here in Milwaukee today. Is that one of these th- those times that uh, – you know, the first time you were kind of like, hey, this is pretty cool. Did it ever get redundant? Or give us a couple parade thoughts and stories. Well, for us, it was, you didn't know what to expect. You know, the, your very first championship, you didn't know what to expect. But I remember, you know, one of the coaches telling me who, who shared with me, he said, you know what? You don't want to look back on this and be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, just, you don't know what the next 30, 40, 50 years has in store for you, but you don't want to look back on this moment and be embarrassed. And I, I, took, that into, uh, I took that into account, whatever I said, whatever I did, because it's so, it's so exciting. You get caught up in it. And I was watching the guys today, and I thought, ooh, probably in 10 or 15 years he's going to go, like, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know? You don't want to so, be the guy from the Lakers dancing on the float that people talk about yeah, forever. You don't want to be the guy <laughs> dancing who probably shouldn't be dancing. You don't want to be the guy 
who is drinking and you shouldn't be drinking. And uh, you certainly don't want to be the guy who's overserved during the parade. Yeah, and, so, we, uh, and we saw that in, in with the Warriors a, a few years back, if you remember. I think it was JaVel McGee, and then it was uh, you know a couple other guys had their shirts off. They were rolling the crowd with uh, the alcohol bottles in a brown bag and that sort of thing. I mean, <laughs> pants down and everything. And you're, you're, going, you're going like, what? Seriously, like you said, great point, BJ. I mean, what's that guy going to be thinking, you know, 30, 40 years down the road? Yeah, yeah. You just want to, you know, you want to kind of get through it, celebrate, be low-key. But uh, I I remember him telling me that before the parade started and uh, a a great piece of advice. All right. And and were you participating in the cigars? Was Michael passing out cigars to you? Uh, you know, the big seven footer yeah, loves his cigars. We had a big cigar team. Yeah. I wasn't a cigar person myself, but we did have a big cigar team. Yeah. Um, and from my understanding, they were great cigars. But I wasn't a cigar guy. But our team was a, 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 a team, so they were they were. Let's say uh, there's a lot of smoke in the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we know we know our our good friend, the seven footer. He loves his cigars. Loves them. <laughs> Oh, the, the big fella, you know, he was he, he was leading the charge. You know, he was leading the charge. No doubt. Big Bill Cartwright. I mean, still, to this day, it's like, hey, you got to go have a cigar with me. I said, nah, not my genre, man. And my clothes stink. Every time I'm done with him, my clothes stink. I got to throw them away. Yeah, that's what I that's oh. what I don't like about cigars, you know. Yeah. But, you know, I, I but I'm not a cigar, you know, person. So I, I get it. I get it. You do your thing. And, uh. But uh, they do make your clothes smell, you know, for sure. <laughs> and, and the Laker I was referring to, of course, was Mark Madsen when he did that, when he danced. And he, oh, he's, he, he's a Stanford yeah, guy. Those Stanford yeah, yeah. guys, they can't dance. <laughs> that was pretty funny, though. But you'd think that a Stanford Everybody guy would think, would think that out a little better. Right, right. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, we're getting ready for the Olympic Games here, and we haven't gotten your take too much on the Team USA roster, everything that's going on. The team was here in Vegas. They had their training camp. They had four exhibition games going two and two. Relatively embarrassing. But this roster, BJ, I got to get your thoughts. When you look at this roster and you compare it to past rosters, what are you thinking? Well, you know, what I'm thinking is, is the following. They have a, gr- a great roster. They have the best roster in the world when you look from top to bottom, without question, no doubt about it. Now, what we have to take into account, especially for us that's here in America, is that the rest of the world is getting better and better. And not only they're getting better, they caught up now. Now it's a true you're talking the very best players in the world. And when you just look just look at the MVP of the NBA over the last three years has been Giannis, Giannis, Jokic. Defensive player of the year is Rudy Gobert. So now they when I say they, the rest of the world has caught up and they're closing the gap. And what you have to take into account is that it's a different game. The international game is a different game. And that 48-minute game that we're accustomed to watching here called the NBA doesn't matter in international play. So I think this roster has to come together very quickly because of COVID and because of the, you know, what's going on. And the rest of the world is ready to play, and they're they're more they're they are more accustomed to playing that international game than our players. So I think they have an advantage heading into the Olympics. Hopefully, our players will will make an adjustment on the fly because they have the best roster one through twelve. But in a forty minute game, guys, anything can happen. So I think this will be highly contested. I still think our guys will come through, 
but it's going to be tough. And I don't think there should be any, like, you know, anyone can win this. But, if you know, I, I think our guys have the best roster, best team. But in a 40-minute game, like you watch in the NCAA, anything can happen at, at any given moment because the team can get hot. And, you know, it's, it's a different game. So we'll see how it turns out. Does it make it even that much more difficult, or is that just media talk, the fact that when every team plays the United States, that is the team that they are aiming for, and the other team is always going to give their best effort? Or in an Olympic situation, do those teams go out and give their best effort game in and game out? Well, these, many of these guys are already in the NBA. It's not like, you know, Spain, right, for instance. Ricky Rubio and... Yeah, they're not intimidated Cole. at all. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, the, the intimidation factor is gone. Like, when the 92 Dream Team... Played. I mean, maybe there was one or two other guys throughout the entire, you know, whole time they're playing over there that they would play against an NBA player. Okay, now every team probably will have two or three, especially in the medal rounds. Okay, you know, when they go to Australia and, and the teams, you know, when you look at that Nigerian team, they have like three or four guys that are currently now in the NBA. They may not be the star players like we have, but they have terrific players who are accustomed and, and and just as good and effective playing international basketball. These teams that, that we're facing, not only are they better like you say, but these guys have played together for many, many years together, and this crop literally is still being thrown together. You're going to have three guys that are flying over tomorrow that don't even get have a practice before they get in their first Olympic game. So... I mean, talk about balance. I get all that. But when you add all of that up, it, it makes it sound like, you know, yeah, USA is not putting its best team out there. Well, guys, what this sounds like to me is you're saying, welcome to the pandemic. Everyone's facing something right now. And right now, we are facing, and I say we, the NBA, the rest of the world, because we're part of this, we're facing unusual times. And with this for various reasons, guys couldn't play. Guys missed games. You can see now COVID is a real issue. So you do the best you can under the circumstances. And right now we put together the best team that we can possibly put together without question. And working in this professional world during this time and building in the community out here in, in, in the Los Angeles greater area, we're all figuring this out. So – I get it as far as star power and things we've become accustomed to and, and guys can plan because these guys have family, these guys have commitments, these guys have things. And by the way, guys, we have a season that's literally right around the corner that's going to start at, at the, the middle, at the end of September. So there isn't a lot of time. The season just ended a couple of days ago. So for these guys to be playing in the NBA Finals, have to get on the plane 48 hours later to go compete, that's a phenomenal commitment. And then they got to come back here after that and get ready for the next season. After going, some of them have played in the bubble. Then they played last season. So we're all dealing with what we have to deal with. And I respect the fact of why guys couldn't play or why guys could play. And we're all going through it. So I just hope everyone that has an opportunity to participate in, in the Olympics, that those guys stay safe. Everyone's safe and everyone can return back safe. But it's it's a phenomenal event for them to pull this off and get guys there who are healthy, can play to represent the country and compete at the highest level because it's truly an honor to have an opportunity to compete in the Olympics and represent your countries from all around the world. 
Yeah, I just want to throw in here real quick, too, that when I asked that question before about getting the best shot on that, I wasn't talking about intimidation of the other countries. I just meant that, you know, like on your Bulls teams, when the Bulls came into town, everybody wanted to beat them because they were the best. When the USA is playing in the Olympics, everybody wants to beat them because it's the USA. But when you're talking about people not going to the Olympics, how much of a factor do you think it comes into it that, like you mentioned, the pandemic of going over to Tokyo, and they just got out of a bubble situation last year in the playoffs, and now they're volunteering to go kind of into another bubble in the Olympics, maybe some guys are just, you know what, we've had enough of the bubble life. Well, again, you know what, I don't know if there's a a total or how we agree on how to handle the stress and things that we're going through. So, you know, you just do the best you can. And right now we're all going through this. And, you know, when you have family and you have kids and and responsibilities and accountability. And by the way, you know, the season's about to start, so forth and so on. I get it. Like, to me, I understand if you you can't, you know, you, you can't participate. I understand that. It's just, you know, it's time. It's commitment. So, again, you know what? Everyone has to make their own decision, and I'm respectful of that. And I respect the fact of the young people who committed to this. Because this takes a tremendous commitment because this is not only an effort to participate, but it's an effort to get here because of the pandemic and all the other things that's going around or going on in the world right now. So um, we'll see. I know the, the you know, I, I know the dedication that many of these athletes put through. They put, you know, they've been prepared for this for years. And um, so we'll see how it, you know, how it happens. But, Again, I just want to be respectful for the decisions that were made because there's a lot goes on behind the scenes that we as the fans don't have an opportunity to see. Well said, uh, my friend. And exactly, uh, a lot of people don't take into account the schedule. And that schedule is ridiculous because, again, it, it's a continuation from where it was last year you know, in, in the bubble in Florida and continuous. And, no, it's, it's crazy. And now to, to travel to another country under pandemic conditions where basically you're going to a country that has a state of emergency with no fans. I mean, no, it's, it is insane. It's crazy. And like you said, you got training camp, you know, literally probably about, you know, seven, eight weeks away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, what, that's the one thing that's just Because I was thinking about it today. I was like, we haven't even, you know, we just got done with the season. The draft is like literally next week. Then we have free agency, summer league, and then the season's about to start. Like, literally, these guys are just going to play year-round, basically. Those, all of those players, they're just going to play year-round. And I get it. You know, the, these are our heroes, but there's a human element to this. At some point, you know, you got to say enough is enough. you got to sit down for a little bit. So um, this is a huge, huge commitment. And those guys who are playing in the Olympics – you know, and I, I was thinking about Kevin Durant just the other day. I was thinking, okay, here's a guy that's coming off a significant injury. He's going to go straight to the Olympics. And then the season's going to start. And then you got 82 games next year. Like, I was like, wow, that's, that's a, that's a big time commitment. I'm sure he's, you know, thought it through, but that's a lot of stress on the body. And not, a, and not even talking about the mental stress, just the physical stress. So, you know, let's just hope that these guys can come through safely and, um, and get through it. 
All right, uh, BJ Numchuk uh, got some got some old video footage here. Is talking about parades and the championships, and lo and behold, what do we have here on our on our big screen? Is we got BJ Armstrong celebrating in the Bulls locker room, I believe, after the '91 championship. And he's already cracking up here. I mean, you got a nice little hottie on your arms there in the locker room. Do tell who is that little hottie that you got? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, I, I can't. I can't. I can't remember yesterday. You're asking me now. You're going back what thirty years ago? See, that's why. That's why I heard you laugh, and I said, "Does he know where we're going with this? Does he? <laughs> well, how do these girls get in the locker? I thought it was just like family and friends, there, BJ. What's wow, going on? I have no, TC I, I Martin have driving no, the, the parade have... bus and throwing BJ under it. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I'm having fun with my man. We're in the front seat. We're honking the horn, man. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Oh man! One thing too, the NBA Summer League. These players are going to get the nice beds in the in the hotels out here in Vegas, not the cardboard beds that they have in Tokyo. Yeah, you ever slept on a cardboard <laughs> bed before, uh, BJ? Because that's what you got I, in Tokyo. I, not, I was I was reading about that, and uh, I was like, okay, we'll see how that fits, and uh, we'll see how that works. But it was interesting. It's just. You know, it's just it's a different world. So I'm open to ideas. I was reading about it, and now you know why they're having it, though. Do you understand? Yeah, that's what that's what caught my attention. You know, that's (laughs) what caught my attention. I was like, okay, uh, let me just see how this works. You know, again, I'm I'm old, so. I'm just trying to get a, adjusted to this new world we live in. Yeah, there's having it so that nobody has a little hottie on his arm in the locker room. There it is. <laughs> they're, de- they're trying to detour sex between the athletes. And I've never known Keep a, the a, scoring on the court. Yeah, yeah. A cardboard <laughs> bed is going to keep that down? I don't know. Whatever. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting solution to a perceived problem. (laughs) Well put. I like that. Good stuff, my man. All right, real quick, uh, USA-France, who you got on Sunday? USA. Okay. I'm going with our guys. I'm going with our guys. Of course you got to. You got to. You know? Going with our guys. So, you know, it's it's all about the pride now, and I'm I'm with with USA all the way. You see, you mentioned Rudy Gobert. You you got him. That's who you're going against on on Hey, Rudy is... Rudy is – I saw Rudy play in the World Championships, I, I believe it was, a couple of years ago. Rudy is terrific in international play because they can play zone and and he, you know, he, he literally plays zone now in the NBA, but he can really play the zone. So I think it's going to be – you know, I, I, it, he's really effective in the international play, but I'm still going with USA. I think we'll find a way to play small and uh, bring him out and hopefully we'll exploit that matchup as well. All right, my man. We appreciate the time as always, man. Uh, enjoy. All and, right. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely be watching. Okay. Hey, keep the funk alive. Keep the funk alive. We're keeping the funk alive, man. And like I said, we're now we're watching. We're listening to the funk, and we're looking at 1991 uh, video of you in the big sub. Cut that video off. Cut that video off. What do you so early in games in this series? Yeah, I was just out there. I was wanted to help. Oh yeah, we we see this is what happens. This is live radio. You get a, you get a producer, and sometimes he's he's out of control, man. So yeah, we're we'll, we'll, we'll definitely edit that part out. How's that? Oh, please do, please do. <laughs> Nothing like great editing. Nothing like great editing. There you go, my man. All right, great stuff, brother. Appreciate you. All right, take care. There he is. All right, BJ Armstrong. We'll talk to him more uh, during the course of these Olympic Games as well. Team USA, the men's and the women's side, trying to go for gold once again. How many uh, media members are going to try to uh, interview Rudy Gobert? Oh, wow. Wow. 
you know, all none of this stuff will be in person as we know. It's all be via Zoom. So at least it's hands off everybody's equipment. Yeah, I know. It's just <laughs> what a nightmare. Talk about full circle. We're getting right back to that. Talk again. about don't embarrass yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as I'm just wondering, still, I mean, during the course of the pandemic, and even lingering on to this year, I was thinking, you know, what are some of these NBA players still think about Rudy Gobert? And of course. What you're referring to is when he, you know, started touching all the microphones. And then Donovan Mitchell was one of the first to get COVID, and that put the NBA on the on pause. That stopped it, shut it down. Going back last year, so I'm just wondering, you know, some of these guys now they're playing against him internationally for your country. You kind of want to stick it to Rudy Gobert still? Maybe a little, maybe a little extra elbow in the rib cage or That's something. What I'm thinking, you know, yeah, a little trash talking. I mean, maybe you have the wider lane. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Get away with a little more is what you're saying. Get them down low. <laughs> All right. Uh, we come back. Uh, we got more for you. We got some Major League B- Baseball tonight as well to uh, touch a little bit more upon this uh, college uh, story regarding Oklahoma and Texas opting to go to the SEC. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth, the oracle has spoken, the mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. Don't forget, tomorrow we'll be at Sunset Station, the STN mobile app studio. Chuck Esposito, our good friend over at Sunset Station, will be uh, joining us as well. Always fun over there as get ready for another uh, busy weekend. And you know what's going to be taking place Saturday? And uh, I believe Frank and I are going to go check it out. It is the Vegas Golden Knights. And the Las Vegas Raiders softball game, the charity softball game. The first one was a lot of fun. It was two years ago. Yeah. And obviously last year they did not play. And uh, our, our good friend Brian Salmon, who uh, played actually in that game, and uh, was talking to B. Sal the other night and uh, said, hey, we're going to probably come out there and check it out. He goes, well, I'm not going to be playing. I go, what's the dealio? He goes, well, our, our, our station isn't involved because they were the television sponsor last time, so they invited him to play. Is he going to be the base running coach? So, <laughs> so that's exactly <laughs> what I said to him. He goes, "Yeah, really disappointed. This and that. Blah blah blah. Our station not involved. That's, that's not you know. That's why I'm not playing." And what I said to him was, "You know, had more to do with your base running." <laughs> and of course, you could you could think about the response that I got from him after I said that. Right. Yeah, I, I can think about it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's true. They didn't, they, they didn't want him. <laughs> he did have a lot of fun in the game, though. I mean, everybody kind of did. Yeah, I been I played in, in those fact, games before. In fact, B was talking. To, yeah, yeah, B was uh, he was talking to Ryan Reeves about it on on his uh, show the other day, and that, yeah. and they were talking. And Reeves oh, they brought kinda, it back up again two years later, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. They, they, I mean, they, they weren't necessarily talking about the base running that, but. Reeves was just like, he asked him if he was going to be in the home run derby. He said, nah, I'm going to keep it to the younger guys this year. Ryan Reeves was just enjoying himself out there uh, drinking some of those 7 5 beverages that he had around. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, uh, this weekend at the Vegas uh, ballpark, you've got. Uh, I believe it's a sold out with uh, standing room tickets still maybe available, but I don't know if there's even anything available for that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Riley Smith kind of spearheads this thing. 
Yeah, Riley Smith yeah. is the guy too. And, and and I remember the first year he the, the first game that they had, he was like, I haven't hit a baseball in forever. So he said, I might go to the cages or something. And uh, it, it, yeah, it, it's a good amount of the Raider players, a lot of them. And and I believe Nate Schmidt's coming back for this too. Is uh, they, they say that he's a decent ball player and of course former Golden Knight, but uh, you know certainly a fan favorite. It'd be nice to see Nate back on the you know back with the guys again too. Right. So uh, yeah, Riley Smith. I know how much uh, he likes the event. I, mean, I think we both on our separate shows two yeah. years ago we yeah. interviewed him, and, and, and it's for it that charity in that too. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, advantage who when you look at the roster for the Golden Knights versus the Raiders? Advantage who? Well, it depends Softball. on it depends on if they enforce the rules this year. Yeah. Because in the first one, the Raiders won, but they kind of cheated. They they stacked the batting order, they changed things around, and they admitted after the game that they cheated to get the win. So we'll we'll see how uh, diligent they are about keeping the rules. I will say though, it's fun to see some of these guys. Some of these guys can really just hammer a softball. And it's always interesting to see. You see it at the at the Aviator games, but when softballs are going out of the ballpark and hitting City National Arena right behind, it's kind of impressive. It is. Uh, I know Conseco was in the uh, first one as well, and he was just bombing some uh, some shots. Yeah, especially for guys that you know. A lot of these guys didn't play baseball or softball, you know, growing up. For sure. For a, you know, a lot of the guys, especially I think a lot of the hockey players. You know, and even some of the football players, you look at them and he's like, yeah. I mean, we see some really bad at-bats. And we go back to the celebrity softball game that we saw after the All-Star game, you know, that you know last week. Yes, and, hopefully these, ba- these oh. bases will be safe for people yeah. to run around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, that, that is, you're going to have the exact same scenario, again, because you're going to have the bases, probably the throw-down bases, on the, in- on the grass part of the infield because you're playing on a – on a baseball field, so we'll with the snow fence out there that you're not a big uh, fan of, but that, that's going to be in the outfield. Yeah. So, but but the real the real thing is when these guys do hit the shots and they go out of the actual ballpark, not just into yes. the outfield. That would be a routine because fly that in a is, baseball game, exactly because that is a softball that you are launching. You know, 380, 390 feet. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a impressive. shot. That's yeah. a shot. If you go down the line and you pull it, you know, you might be hitting like three thirty five, three forty to get over the fence. So. No, that's big-time shots. Big-time shots. Uh, and, again, not for guys that play much softball. So, that's yeah, impressive. So, it'll be fun. You looking forward to that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's a great time because the, the fans enjoy themselves, the players, you get the camaraderie. And, again, because it's for a charity as well. So, I mean, you know, anything that, uh, that helps charities and helps uh, those less fortunate in that. And, it's a, like I say, it, it's a big event. And how many times did they show that on Channel 3 last year? I mean, yeah. they must have showed the replay of that thing uh, three or four times or whatever. And, and there's a reason for it because it was, it was a fun event, and I'm sure it will be once again this year. And I'm always curious to see who else might be there as well because I remember last year, it, well, not last year, but the first game a couple years ago uh, when uh, uh, Megan Olivia, uh, the, 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 MNA, the, the MMA announcer, and, you know, uh, she was playing in it. And she, she accorded herself very well. And then you might have some MMA fighters or something. So it's also curious to see who else in the community could, they can get in there to be part of this. All right. Uh, looking forward to it. Are, are you going to partake in, in some food at the ballpark? Because you always hear me talk about the food at the ballpark. I know you're not a ballpark guy food. I didn't last time. Yeah. You know. I mean, generally yeah. when I go to an event like that, I eat before I go. I, know, I, yeah. I think and, you got to try it out, man. I think you got you to you try out some of the food there. You, you got you to support those guys, and uh, the food usually is pretty good. Well, now, I, I will admit, last time I was also fortunate enough that I worked my way down on the field, and once I was down there, I wasn't going to leave. So, All right. You know, I mean, if I can get down on the field, I'm not leaving that, that spot. All right. 
So speaking of which, uh, the breaking news hits, and I do believe that we've got our guy, our sports director at News 3, <laughs> Brian Salmon, who we were just speaking about. Peace out. What's going on? Uh-oh. What is happening? I, I don't even want to ask if you're, <laughs> you're talking about a softball game, so I already know that you are just bumping your gums. <laughs> Bumping your gums. We're just trying to cover all. We're like just trying OCC. to cover all the bases, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, yeah, yeah. Cover all the bases. No one's gonna even talk about the fact that I made nice, nice catch out in center field. You made a nice catch out there. Every, and, and I mentioned every, I that you had Ryan Reeves time. on the other day. Yeah, your friends giving you some love. I've been promoting your your show. That you know, you got to check you out on Channel Three all the time doing the sports. Yeah, you and Ryan Reeves were talking about this the other day, right? You were talking about this softball game coming up, right? Yeah, we absolutely were. So, yeah, you know what? I guess I got to take the good with the bad, right? That's right. You, you, you got to exactly, dude. I've, I've lived yeah, your nah. I lived your moment before. I, I told you before. I lived your moment. I you mean, did. I, I did. I was I was doing. I was track. I was I was running track, and I, I was the cocky guy, and I started coasting. The only difference was I was in fourth grade, and I didn't have about fifteen thousand people watching me. Like, like you did two years ago. <laughs> oh, and, and you didn't, you didn't also, you didn't follow that up with an hour-long television special, correct? That, that highlighted that mistake as well. Did right. you do that either? No, I just got to face my parents who were at the the track and field match and and were scolding me afterwards, like, "You cocky little kid, what are you doing? You don't do that." But did you, you take oh. this lesson? Did you learn your lesson? Yeah, I learned my lesson. Oh well, my because gosh. some people repeat the same mistakes yeah. over and over. You, you you didn't Leon led it the rest of your life. No, I just quit track right after that. And I started focusing on baseball. There it was. <laughs> hey, and you know what? I, I like where Frank is going with that because that happened in my very first at-bat. So my second at-bat, when I ripped a hit as well, right. I made sure I didn't do anything dumb like I did the first time, and uh, I stayed on the base. So. Yeah. See, I learned my life, but no one remembers that. No one remembers that. No one remembers that. <laughs> no, no, I mean, yeah, no one remembers that. We're bringing it up. Every other media member that sees you brings it up. That's it. And just for our I listeners know. that don't know what we're talking about, we're going to have to let them know. That's, we have to paint the picture, B-Sal. And we're talking two years oh, ago, wow. the charity softball game wow. we were talking about this Saturday. Brian Salmon is, is is playing, gets a nice little hit, rounds first, takes a pretty wide turn, and what's he doing? He's walking back to the bag. He's doing the old, like, tipping the cap, waving to the crowd. This is my time. <laughs> this is my moment. Oh, let's throw behind the runner, tag him, and the umpire says, you go on! Oh, man. I'm having I'm having nightmares about that right now. I, it's your anniversary. I still you should not believe that happened. What's that? It's your anniversary. So you know it's uh, you know, it's, it's my anniversary. <laughs> really, you got twenty twenty Tony on me right now, there, right? There you no, go. I'm shut. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, it's yeah. your oh, anniversary. Yeah, exactly. It's there you, we go. There we go. Your two year yeah, anniversary. He couldn't pull that one up fast enough, but yeah, that's one of my one of my favorite joints, man. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. All right, a go ahead, peace out. That's it. Go ahead. A Describe it. Describe it right now since this is your anniversary and you got your song. Describe what happened, Brian Salmon. Uh, well, first of all, I, I went up to the uh, plate 
And game day Bruce, the announcer for no, the No, Vegas no, 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 stop. Knights. I want to hear, I want to see you get in the Tony, Tony, Tony mood. Give me a little, a little rhythmic delivery here. Come on, B Sal, get the music going. Uh, I was about to sing it, but I didn't think you'd want me to. I was, sing what happened. Getting right up to first base, it was my anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> it's our anniversary. Man, I so, love this song, so, man. I really do. I know. Well, we'll, we'll it's keep it going. It's anniversary. So you're saying hey. that uh, you're saying uh, Bruce Kosick uh, was was he, you're going to blame him for this? No, no. On the way to the plate, Bruce called me Ron Burgundy as a joke when he announced my name to the crowd. Oh, oh, and so I'm going to blame him. And that's why I was hot dogging when I rounded the base because I was I was trying to I was in my Ron Burgundy character. Well, here's the deal. You know uh. why he called you that? It has nothing to do with. You know, you being as bad as Ron Burgundy in the movie or looking like him, obviously, that is because you dress like Ron Burgundy with that burgundy suit that we always see you in. Spot on, right, Frank? Are you just going to call it the Ron Burgundy suit now? There it is. I always have. The Ron Burgundy suit with the Marc-Andre Fleury flower? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man, you can play this song every time. I, I, I really, really love this. That's like one of my favorite Songs and Tony 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 is definitely my favorite R and B group, man. Really? Hey, uh, they got they got Northern California roots, as you know, man. So, uh, hey, from the Bay, baby, they're from Oakland. They are from Oakland. So I'll invite you. I'll invite you the next time we do uh, Tony Tony Tony. Well, okay. They they might as well do a residence here in Vegas, a residency here in Vegas, since everything from Oakland's coming down here now. I know, (laughs) man. Actually, I've seen Raphael Sadiq. And Tony, Tony, Tony in concert in Las Vegas before. And but you're right though. Goodness gracious, man! The A's. If the A's come here, I mean, we all know what's going on and everything else. But if they actually come here, I, I believe that they're coming here when they actually come here. <laughs> you know, I understand. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I, I do understand that. But when you really start peeling back the onions of one of these, that's that stupid cliche. It really looks like they are because when that vote went down in Oakland the other day and it came back and they said, okay, we'll proceed six to one. Uh, but it was a revised proposal. It was a counter proposal. And the A's yeah. said, you know, no, thank you. So by them saying no, thank you. Oakland's done they're, 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 that That history is now over. And now where's the next chapter going to be? And then you start looking at cities like Portland or maybe new Orleans and places like that. I don't know, but, Vegas, Vegas, I know Vegas makes all the sense in the world. It does make all the sense, not just because the Raiders are here, but the proximity, the relationship they have. They know uh, the city so well because, you know, for the second year now, they're they're with the aviators. It just makes all the sense in the world. I think they are coming. Man, I TC, we talked about this and I, I kind of go back and forth, but I just do not see. I do not see a 30,000-seat stadium doing well for baseball here in Las Vegas personally, man. But if, say, 15,000 to to 20, maybe. But I don't know. The boys of summer and a retractable roof, unless the stadium is on the strip somewhere where people that are out-of-towners can get there. But you can't sell a – I don't believe you can sell – 
Uh, we'll see, 162 games. What's that in half? What's that, 81? No, 81 home games. games. But here's the deal. You're going to build a stadium that's about 40,000 because that's the, the norm for Major League ballparks nowadays. It's going to be picturesque. It's going to have the honeymoon period, you know, just like uh, the Golden Knights had with T-Mobile and all that sort of thing. But here's what you're going to get. You're going to get it because you, you can't compare it to minor league baseball because you're getting Bryce Harper coming into town. You're going to get all the superstars coming into town. Otani's coming to town, especially look at these interdivision rivals. You get the Astros and Altuve. All the, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, you are going to get thirty to 40,000 fans. You definitely will. And especially if the A's continue to be good, which they have been for the better part of the last decade. Yeah, I, I think it works, man. I do. That's, that's, a good, that's a good sell. So with that being said, what do you say percentage-wise of the fans that are in that stadium watching? Local to... Um, to uh, non-local. I think it's all relative to what we have here right now with the Golden Knights and the Raiders and even the Aviators. I, I say 80%, 75 to 80%. And you have season ticket holders that will jump on this. And, uh, 75% local? Yes, 75% local. Wow, supporting that. Yeah. yeah. You know, in baseball, I mean, baseball is a big sport here. I don't know. I, mean, I go back and forth. I, I'd love to see it. You know, whether or not I think it'll do well, I would still love to see it. Obviously, I work here. I love Vegas. It's the best sports town in the country, in my opinion, if you consider cost of living and everything, the sports and all that stuff. Weather, to me, it's top by far. All right, man. By I, far. To be, hey, I think I got a great idea. To be continued on Sunday sports night, you and I. That's to be continued, brother. Uh, we, we should definitely do that, although the Olympics are coming up, man. So yep. Sports Night's taking a hiatus for the Olympics. We're not going to have any Sports Night right. during the Olympics. All right, brother. Hey, we appreciate you spending some time with us today. We'll let you get back to work. Look for B-Sal. He's coming up tonight. News 3. Go catch him. Dang, I was, Six, looking, 10, forward, 11. I was looking forward to seeing your guys matching flowers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, we can do that during the week, maybe. All right, brother. We'll talk to you later, man. All right, you guys be good, man. Frankie and TC, good work. Right. Tony, Tony, Tony. That's it. Be Sal, be Sal, be Sal. All right, you missed any part of the show, go to the website. I want to thank BJ Armstrong, Matthew Holt, Brian Salmon for joining us. Go to the website, tcmartinshow.com.